Well, good morning. You can tell that the fall is coming, right? Because there's like a million announcements. So um, whenever we say something, if you um, see an announcement and you're really interested in finding more information out about that, at our website at springlakechurch.org slash events, um, you can always go and see what we're currently doing. There's a lot of things happening, so we'd love for you to follow along that way and figure out how you can be part of that. Um, I am Pastor Bill, if you don't know me. Um, I'm the campus pastor here at this campus of Spring Lake Church. And I just wanted to share something. A lot of you have been coming down here, or you're maybe visiting us from Bellevue, or maybe you're new this morning. But I am blown away this morning because I looked it up, and we have um, been in operation here for 223 days downtown. It's been... uh, It's been seven months that we've been in this building. Isn't that amazing? And what's really cool about that is that God has just given us such an awesome start here in downtown Green Bay. The reality is, is that there's so many people in Green Bay that are still lost, and they're broken, and they're hurting. There are so many people who need the hope that we have, the hope of the gospel. And so, I want to communicate over and over again as the campus pastor here that Spring Lake Church downtown is not just here to offer an amazing service each week, which we love doing. We we will continue to do that. But we're also here to share the love and the hope that we have in Jesus with the city of Green Bay. Each and every one of you who come each week is actually part of that. And it's this vision that the church is not just this organization, right? The church is actually made up of all of you who, are, who come here and are committed. And so I just want to say really quickly, thank you so much for being here this morning. It does actually make a difference that you come to our services, that you engage, that you reach out to your community, that you represent Jesus to people in your life. And I share that because I want that vision of us sharing the hope with Green Bay to always be before us. You know, it's really easy in a church to drift towards making the church all about us and what our preferences are and the things that we like. But it's not about that. It's about the mission of the gospel. It's about seeking and saving the lost. And that leads us to this new sermon series, which we've started called The Generous Life. And this morning, we're going to specifically look today at how followers of Jesus should live a generous life by utilizing the talents and the skills that they have. Jack launched this series last week, and he kind of did an overview, and now we're going to drill down a little bit on using your talents to serve and to love God. So let me just start off by asking you a question. Have you ever had a salesman, um, have you ever talked to a salesman and they're trying really, really hard to sell you on something, but they're not getting to the bottom line? Has anyone ever experienced that? That is one of my biggest pet peeves, okay? I know we have a lot of salesmen in our church. Just get to the bottom line, people, okay? Because what happens is, like, you're listening to these people. Like, we had this, um, we had this company come in to our house and they did an estimate of, our, of painting the exterior of our house. And before they would tell us the actual price, they had to tell us like the history of their company and how great they are and all their products and the colors and blah, 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 right? And what we really wanted to know is how much is it going to cost us? Like, what is it that is going to cost us? Because you can have the best product, the best company in the world, 
But for me, if I can't afford it, it's just not going to happen, right? Now, maybe I'm a little impatient, but I think a lot of you have probably experienced the same thing. And you're just sitting there, and you're listening to these people talk, and you're thinking in your head, you're screaming at them in your head, and you're saying, just tell me the price, right? Just tell me the price. And uh, this happens in other areas of our life as well. Um, You know, it's like people who are dating to find their future spouse, and they're really out there looking for the person who they want to spend the rest of their life with. And they want to know from the other person, are you actually serious about settling down? Because if you're not, I don't want to spend more time getting to know you, right? I've even felt this way sometimes about faith. Sometimes I get sick of all of the fluff that we put into our Christian subculture, and I just want to know the bottom line about things. Like, what is it that God really wants me to do? Sure, we have all these Christian things that we do, like we can listen to Christian music and put a Jesus fish on our car and all this other stuff, but what are the really important things that God cares about? What is the bottom line from God? What does he want from us? And whenever I start feeling that way, I think back to this passage in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, where Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. And uh, the Pharisees, they, they, they want to trip Jesus up. And so what they do is they send one of their experts of the law to Jesus. And they basically ask Jesus this question. Jesus, what is the bottom line? What's the bottom line? Of all of the commandments of the law that God has given human beings, what does it really come down to? Now, like I said, the intent of that question from the Pharisees was specifically to trip Jesus up. They wanted Jesus to give the wrong answer so that they could trip him up and and accuse him of heresy. And and so um, that's why they did it. But when we think about it as readers of God's word over 2,000 years later, that question that they ask is a profound question, right? Like, this is Jesus himself, and we know Jesus as the Son of God and God himself, and we have a account in scripture of somebody asking Jesus, what is the most important thing? I mean, that's akin to walking up to God and getting some face time with him, and you get to ask him one question, right? Like, you meet God, and you get to ask him one question, and you say to God, what is the purpose of man? What is the number one thing that you require of human beings? Like, that might be a really good question to ask God. And this is essentially what the expert is asking. We should be at the edge of our seat for the answer to this. God in the flesh is about to tell us the most important thing. And so what does Jesus say? Well, if you look at this verse, it says that Jesus replies that the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now certainly, you and I have all heard this, right? We are supposed to love God with the entirety of our being, and out of that, we're supposed to have love for those around us as well. The most important thing, then, that you can do with your life is to love the Lord your God and likewise love your neighbor. This is a bottom-line principle. In other words, Everything that we do is shaped by this one thing. Notice Jesus doesn't say, while you're at church, make sure that you love God. 
and then you love other people. He doesn't say, when you're feeling generous, make sure you love me and you love others. He doesn't say, when you have your life and your finances and everything just the way you want it, then seek to love me and love your neighbor. He doesn't say, do it in your spare time. No, as followers of Jesus, when we make that decision to follow him, the rest of our lives are supposed to stem from this one thing, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what's interesting about that teaching is that's not just Jesus' teaching, but it's the perspective that the New Testament authors all take. They all understand that. They were Jews, and they knew that this came from the Old Testament. It comes from Deuteronomy, where God commands that the Israelites, his people, love him with everything that they are. And so the New Testament authors, they would have known this as well, that this is the most essential thing, that this is the thing that everything else stems from. And the Apostle Paul clearly has this perspective. And so listen to what he says in a really interesting passage in Colossians three twenty three through 24. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Jesus Christ that you are serving. And so Paul clearly understands that a believer's life ultimately belongs to God, and the point is to love him with all of it. And so whatever you do, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart. You are called in all your actions, words, deeds, emotions, all of it, to love God. So this morning, as we talk about the, general, the generous life, not the general life, but the generous life, we have to understand this key biblical paradigm. That Christ followers must view their lives in every aspect of it as coming from and belonging to God. It's all for him. It's all about loving him and as an extension of that, loving others. And so when we consider the generous life, we must recognize that every talent we possess comes from and belongs to God and his purposes. That's the first blank on your outline. Every talent we possess comes from and belongs to God and his purposes. This is what a generous life towards God starts with. It's an understanding that we all have to grasp. Everything that you're good at, you know, like we like to take pride in the things that we're good at, like I'm good at this, I'm good at that. Everything that you're good at is a gift from God that he wants you to use for loving him and loving other people. That's why Paul can say we're working for Jesus, even if we're working for someone else. You know, when you're at work and you're exhibiting your talents and your skills at work, hopefully you are, when you're doing that, you're actually not just doing that to earn money or to help your employer succeed. You are working for God and for his purposes, using what he gave you for his glory. And it's the same when you're here at church. When you volunteer at church, you are serving Uh, you're serving your church and you're using your talents for him. It's the same with your family. When you use the skills and the affinities that God has given you, you're serving your family with what God has given you or your neighbors. All of your life and work is supposed to be about loving God and loving others. And this is why the generous life that we're talking about is so important because all of that is for him. It's a complete reorienting of your life towards him. You know, I, last week, Pastor Jack gave his message on the generous life, and I was really challenged. 
Were you challenged last week if you were here? Anyone challenged last week by the message? I was really challenged because the honest truth is that sometimes if I look at my life, it's not the generous life. It's the stingy life, right? I'm living the stingy life before God. But can I just tell you something? I realized something this week. Ultimately, it doesn't matter so much where you're at right now or where I'm at right now. It matters where God wants to take you. Okay? It matters that you're willing to actually go there. And so this morning, as you listen, as we go through these different types of talents that God has given you, would you just take a second and pray that God would give you the heart to go where he wants you to go? Okay? Because that's the important thing. God is calling us somewhere, and are we willing to go where he wants us to go? The questions that we're going to be asking this morning is how can I begin to use the talents and the abilities to live the generous life that God has called me? How can I love God with everything and love others too? Well, I'm going to identify three different types of talents that God has given us. And as we do that, we're going to look at how those talents can be used to love God and to love others. Let's pray as we jump into this. Dear Lord, we just ask right now, that you would use your Holy Spirit to convict us, to challenge us, to encourage us, to not stay where we are, but to look to the future and to move where you want us to go. Lord, would you help us to grasp this idea of a generous life versus a stingy one? Would you help us to get outside of ourselves? Far too often we're thinking about it, what's in it for us? Would you help us to see that our lives are supposed to be about building your kingdom sharing the hope of the gospel to a lost and broken world that needs it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first type of talent that I want to talk about is that we are really uniquely gifted with natural talents to be used for God. Natural talents. And so each one of us have been born with this unique set of gifts and talents that are really built into who we are. For instance, I'm a people person. I know that's probably going to shock you as a pastor. Some pastors aren't people person, people though, you know. So, um, but I really love being with people. Ever since I was a little kid, my mom would always tell me that I should have a job where I'm working with lots of people. And I love interacting with people and getting to know them. You might say that that's a gift or a talent or an affinity that I have. Other people don't have that talent. Some people only have a few close connections with people, and they don't like the general public, right? They don't want to interact that way, or they're not good at it. Some people are really good with numbers and spreadsheets and systems, and other people hate that. We all have different affinities. We're all good at different things. If you're a parent of uh, multiple children in your family, uh, then you know that your kids all have different talents, right? Like, for instance, my son Isaiah, um, he's really talented at reading. He picked up reading really quickly, and he reads above his grade level, okay? So that's a talent that he has. My middle child, and this is going to shock you, I know, she is a natural entertainer, okay? She can make you laugh like nobody's business, like all the time. Even when you're trying to discipline her, she makes you laugh, okay? Okay? And then my youngest, at one and a half, she already loves to put things in their place. 
After changing her diaper, I'll wrap her diaper up and I'll hand it to her and I'll say, go throw it away. And she walks into another room. She opens the lid of the trash can, throws it away, right? She, wa- she wants to put things where they go. And that, you know, that story sounds really good, but we're really trying to convince her what trash is and what trash isn't. Like, for the thousandth time, the remote control is not trash, right? But the point is, the point of that is, is that we all have natural skills. We all have natural gifts that God has given us. And one of the coolest things to realize about that is that God has given you those gifts specifically to you on purpose. He's given them to you on purpose. We know this because there's biblical examples of how God has used the skills and the talents that God has given people to accomplish something. So in the Old Testament, God commands Moses to build the tabernacle. That might sound familiar to you as a place of worship. And in doing that, God employed people who had talents and skills in certain areas. If you look in Exodus 31, it talks about this. And it says that the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. I've given him great wisdom, intelligence, and skills in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have given special skill to all the naturally talented craftsmen so that they can make all the things that I have instructed you to make. So God calls the Israelites to build this elaborate worship place, but then he gives people natural skills and he gives them special skills in order to do that. And it's not just the men. We see the ladies have this too in Exodus 35. It continues to talk about the tabernacle and it says, that all the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning and preparing blue and blue and or blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen cloth, they brought all of them in, and these women used and were willing to use their skills to spin and weave the goat hair into cloth for the tabernacle. God had given these women the special ability to learn the skill, or they were naturally good at it, and they specifically used it to make this place of worship. By the way, can I just say that That sounds like, okay, that's the tabernacle, that's the people of Israel, that's long ago. Can I tell you that I see this every single week in our church happen today? Like every single week that I show up, guess what? The ladies who are doing the hospitality are making coffee. God bless them. Can we have a round of applause for them? Your week is better if you're a coffee drinker, if you come to church and they've made you coffee. But we also see this in the people who have an affinity and love to be with children. And so then they go invest in our children's ministry. We have that this morning too. And it's such a blessing the way that these people are loving God and loving others. And it's also the men, of course, as well. There's another biblical example of this, though, in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1, or verses 17. Um, where Daniel, um, where we read about how Dan, God gave Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego special learning and skill so that they could glorify him while they were in exile. And so if you look in that verse, it says, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. You see, God had equipped them for a special time in a special place to have the skills that they have. And the point is this for us this morning. Those are great biblical examples, but the stuff that you're good at is not a mistake. And you need to hear that this morning. The stuff that you are good at is not a mistake. 
God has created you with a mind and a personality that lends itself to being good at certain aspects of your life. And so the question for you this morning as you think about that is how are you using your talents and your gifts as a tool to love God and to love others? Remember that the starting point, the most important thing in your life is to love God with everything that you have and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so each of us should intentionally be using our gifts and our talents to do that. Now, this can be kind of overwhelming to think about, right? Like, how am I supposed to use these to, like, glorify God? Are you telling me, Pastor Bill, that I now have to start my own ministry? And I have to have my own organization? I'm doing all my own stuff now? No, that's not what I'm saying. The best way to really consider how to use your skills and talents is to begin to think about the different spheres of your life, okay? The different areas of your life. Now, there are different, there's a bunch of different areas of your life, but I want to concentrate on three to drill down and to give you some specifics about how to use your talents in these areas. So number one would be the sphere of life that we call the church, where you're at right now. And I purposely chose this one first because people tend to actually minimize the importance of this one the most. People see volunteering at church as kind of an optional thing. Like, ah, it'd be nice if I would do that, but I don't really got a lot of time. But what's interesting about that and that attitude and that mentality is that Scripture doesn't seem to say that at all. In fact, Scripture kind of makes it seem the, the opposite of that. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so the Bible views the talents we have as an investment that God has given us for the sake of sharing his grace with other people in our church. Now, I have to share something really candidly with you for a second. And I want you to know that I'm not trying to shame anyone, okay? And it's not for the sake of making you feel guilty. But I just want to give the church kind of a reality check this morning. The truth is, there is a lot of people in our church who have no concept of serving at all. We live in a time in our culture where the general public, the most of us, view our church as a place to get something, not a place to give something. And we're often very selfish when it comes to church. We hold everything at arm's length. A lot of us live the stingy life when it comes to church. And you might ask, like, oh, pastor, why do you feel that way? Like, that makes me sad that you feel that way. Well, because it's really this classic case. Ask anyone on our staff or anyone in most churches, and they'll say it's the classic case of 10 to 20% of people doing 100% of the work. And it's really interesting because often what I've seen is that we have to pull from the same pool of people who are already busy to accomplish new things. Like when we go and we recruit, we often find that we're recruiting and pulling people up who are already busy in the church because we know that they're committed and that they're faithful. And I tell you that not for a guilt trip. It's It's just the reality of where we are with our church. And the truth is we just need more people to understand that they're a piece of this puzzle, and without them, the whole system is messed up. Like, it's, it's kind of like this. It's like we have, someone's given us a thousand-piece puzzle, right? And every single one of us is one of those pieces, and yet we're trying to build this thousand-piece puzzle with 736 pieces, right? Like, we could get them all in their perfect place, and what would the puzzle look like? It would still be missing a huge chunk And so let me say something really quickly to make this clear. 
just like every area of your life, God wants to use you to love him and to love others. God wants everyone to be a good steward of his grace in the church. And opportunities for this abound. There are tons of open slots for Art Street next weekend. Did you know in one week from today, there's going to be fifty to 70,000 people outside of those doors all weekend long? You know that? And our church has a huge opportunity to reach those people, even if it's just handing them a flyer. There's a church in your neighborhood that loves Jesus and wants you to be there. The hope of the gospel is in this building, right? We know Jesus, and we can share it with people around us. We need to have a presence in Art Street, not because Pastor Bill thinks, that would be so fun. No, because God is calling us as the church to share the hope of the gospel to our city. And so if you haven't signed up yet, please, for the love of God, literally, sign up. (laughs) Please sign up. It's not just to make our church look good. We truly want people to know Jesus. How are you being part of that? How are you being part of that? But it's it's not just that. In the middle of September, we're going to be launching a second service. And so we need double the children's workers. We need double the ushers. We need double the greeters. We need double the hospitalities. There are so many opportunities to serve. And so can I just say this to you? Find some way to put your piece of the puzzle on the table. Find some way to put your piece of the puzzle on the table. But church isn't the only sphere of life that God wants you to serve in. There's also your family. And this is one that we don't think about. When we think about our talents and our skills, we don't think about our family. Our family is just where we go to be who we are, right? But can I tell you something? Dads, are you really good at coaching others at work? Is that a skill that you have or managing or doing well? Then guess what? God has given you a skill to coach your kids, to love them, to invest in them, to make sure that they're accomplishing what God has called their lives to be. If you're a great coach at work but not at home, what does that say? Right? Be that person that God has called you to be in your family. Are you good at budgeting at work and working with money? Apply that to your family and help your family's money to love God and to love others. Another one is your work life. Another sphere of life is your work life. The last one. Let me tell you something that will revolutionize your walk with Jesus. If you ever can figure this out and to internalize this, it's really hard to do. But the time that you spend at home, the time that you spend at your church, and the time that you spend at your work is all spiritual. All of that is spiritual. You are not more spiritual at church or more spiritual when you pray or when you read your Bible. Your whole life, everything you do is supposed to be a living sacrifice to the glory of God. And so that place where you spend the majority of your time and the majority of your day and week actually matters to God. The time you spend in your workplace matters to God. And he is calling you, like in Colossians 3, that whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as if working for the Lord. It is the Lord Jesus that you're serving in your workplace. It's important to understand that Our work matters to God. That when we use our talents and our abilities to serve a company or an employer, we are ultimately serving Jesus. And so are you doing your work and employing your talents in such a way that you're loving God in your workplace? Remember, this is ultimately all about the greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with everything you are and to love your neighbors as yourself.
It brings us to another type of talent that can be used to serve and to love God. Type number two, we each have learned abilities and skills that should be used for God. So not every skill and talent we possess has come from God giving it to us as a natural talent and as part of our personality. A lot of times we've learned things, like babies don't come out of the womb knowing accounting, right? But they learn that, but people can learn that skill over time, and even those are meant to be used for God and his glory. A biblical example of this is Paul. You see, Paul, in Acts we learn that Paul was a tent maker. Anyone heard that before? Paul was a tent maker, and so what he would do, for instance, when he went to Corinth, he would do his tent making business to make money, but then in his spare time, when he wasn't doing that, he would be preaching the gospel, to the churches and to the synagogues. And Paul took an acquired skill he had of tent making and he used it as a context to minister in Corinth. So tent making allowed Paul to fulfill this mission that God gave him to bring the good news of the gospel to the lost. Can I tell you something? Your, your acquired skills that God may be using in your workplace right now, maybe you have those and maybe God has allowed you to have those in order that you would have a context to preach the gospel to the people in your workplace who need to hear it. Maybe God has given you and gifted you that way with the ability to learn that skill so that you could share the hope and the love of Jesus with others. But it's not just in your workplace that way, but it's also you could use your learned skills actually in the church. Do you work with money? Well, guess what? We have a counting team. We have um, a finance team. We have ushers who all deal with money. Uh, Are you good with kids? We need youth and children's workers all the time. Are you good at smiling? Can you smile? Anyone? Anyone smile? Okay. You can open the door. Can you open a door? Then just open the door and be a greeter. It's really not that hard, okay? You can jump into greeting that way. Uh, How many of you, by a show of hands, have ever made coffee in your life? Okay? Okay? Okay. People are scared. They're like, I'm going to volunteer for something accidentally. It's not that hard. If you've made coffee at home, you can make coffee at church. It takes like maybe like 15 minutes, 20 minutes of training. I could show you after service. You could join our hospitality team. We need help. Uh, Do you love technology? We need people running the slides and helping out that way. There are so many ways that you could use your skills to serve the church. But here's something else to consider as you think about your talents and living the generous life. What if God wants you to use your talents and your skills and your ability to serve others in the church outside of a ministry? What do I mean by that? What happens when somebody in our church has to move? Do you think our church could rally around them and use their muscles that God has given them to help them move? Do you think that would bless somebody? We have a meals ministry. Can you cook? Can you make mac and cheese, right? Because that would be a huge talent that you could share with your church family and to love them. So let me just encourage you for a second. Stop worrying so much about how you'll serve and start serving. We often find that our place in church, we find it by just venturing out and being obedient to God and trying things. In other words, just because a need is not tailored to what you believe your skill set is doesn't mean you shouldn't serve. We should all have the mentality, I'm going to find a hole, and I'm going to plug it. And a great example of that is Art Street. You know, there's a lot of people like, well, I don't want to sign up for the booth because I'm not, I'm not that great at talking to people on the street. 
Well, none of us are really that great at that. You know, listen, can I tell you something? This is super important. You don't have to be great at things because God is great at things. Okay? So you can just jump in and to serve and, and you can allow God to use you in a unique and passionate way to love him. Think about this for a second. I said that earlier it feels like we're trying to build a thousand piece puzzle with 736 pieces. And it does feel like that. One of the things about a puzzle is that each piece is unique and needed. And the church and its attenders are the same way. Each one of you is unique and each one of you is needed. There's nothing worse than getting to the end of a puzzle and finding that you are missing a piece. Anyone have that experience before? My family has a cabin in southern Wisconsin and every puzzle is like that. And every year I just want to like throw it in the fire because it's so frustrating, right? It's just like when you build a puzzle. Your first task is not to find the perfect, perfect position of the piece on the board. Your first task is to make sure you have all the pieces and that they're actually there, right? So get yourself on the board. And that brings us to our last type. Every Christ follower has been given special gifts through the Holy Spirit for building up the church. Now, we can go like really into depth about spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts that God gives us when we come to him, but that would be like a whole sermon series in itself. And so I just want to share three really quick things. One is that every Christ follower has at least one supernatural gift from the Holy Spirit. So that's something you have to know. You come to Jesus, you give your life over to him, and it, you have one Holy Spirit gift, Okay? And that's why Peter says, each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. And so you might ask yourself, what kind of gifts does God give? Well, I made a really short list, and there's certainly more than this. And the Bible insinuates that there's even more than the list that they give within Scripture. So it's not limited to this, but you could have the gift of pastoring or preaching or teaching or leading or speaking in tongues or wisdom or encouragement or giving generously, hospitality, mercy, healing. Those are the ones that the Bible lists, okay? Now, it's not a complete list, but it's a peek at some of the giftings or graces that God has given us. And if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to go on the journey of finding what your spiritual gift is. You can do that by taking our starting point and membership classes where we cover that there. You could ask a Christian friend who knows something about spiritual gifts to help you identify what gift you have. Or you can serve in the church, and I guarantee you as you're serving, something will start to rise to the surface about how God has gifted you to help his church. The second truth is this. Each gift is given for the specific purpose of building up the body of Christ. So God gives everyone who is a follower of Jesus a gift, and he gives it for the specific reason of building up the body of Christ. If God has given everyone a spiritual gift, and it's for building the church, then the question you should be asking yourself this morning is, how am I contributing to the building of Spring Lake Church? This is the local experience that you're part of. This is the local expression of the body of Christ. How are you specifically building up the body of Christ with the gift that God has given you? The last truth is this, that God's gifts that he gives are for serving others. The truth is, is that as long as you're serving others in your family, your life, in your church, you are headed in the right direction. If you can't point to any way that you're serving people in your life, I hate to break it to you, but you are not living a generous life. 
And that's what this sermon series is all about. So in closing, the most important bottom line truth to remember is that everything stems from this one idea, this one command, the bottom line. Jesus says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That is the driving force behind using our natural, learned, and spiritual gifts to love and glorify God and to serve those around us. The application today is super simple. I don't know how you could walk away with anything else But to know this today, that as a follower of Jesus, you should be able to point to a multitude of ways that you're serving God at home, in your workplace, and especially in your church. If you can't point out those ways, then don't despair. Don't wallow in guilt. Don't feel shame. That's not what it's about. But instead, begin to serve the way that God has called you to serve. Sign up for a ministry, sign up for Art Street, get on the front line of what God is doing in your very church. Start living the generous life that God has already equipped you for. Let's pray. Lord, it's so clear in your word that you haven't given us our gifts and our talents and our abilities to just waste them on ourselves. You've given them to us in order to love you and to love others. And we can do that in the context of our home, our family, and in our church. Lord, would you help us to not feel guilty this morning? We haven't come, for, we haven't come here for a spirit of guilt or shame. We reject that, Lord. Instead, Lord, would we recognize that you've equipped us. You've already given us the tools that we need in order to serve you and love you well. Lord, would you just give us that heart to actually take a step and to put our piece of the puzzle on the table. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.